Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. I know that you have some fears. I know that I definitely have some fears. We all have some fears, and sometimes they just get the best of us. But today, I'm actually going to help you learn how to redirect the ones you don't want, yet grasp hold of fears that are actually good for us, all in a lesson called the Great Fear Redirect. You know, when you think about your fears of things that, that scary, I think about when I was a kid of going to the amusement park and when I was offered with my friends to go on the big, the big giant roller coasters, uh, I was actually a little bit scared about that. And it took me many years to actually say yes and go on those things. And uh, I know even sometimes as we get into adulthood, roller coasters can be extremely scary. But I know also as we get older, we can have more fears that are more meaningful in our lives. Fear to face uh, hard decisions, a fear to face uh, things that, at work that might be going uh, awry, fear to face ourselves and maybe our eating habits, fear to face you know, other bad habits that we might have, a fear to face the things that, that uh, you know, sometimes we can just you know, not feel faithful in. When we have fears that even just to to face ourselves and our weaknesses, they can control us and get the best of us. And I bet you've got them. I know I've got them. And we're going to look at a lesson in Matthew chapter 9 today that uh, there was a man that was faithful. You know, fear is a biblical uh, concept. Uh, Fear is Old Testament and New Testament. It is throughout. We see people that were fearful, fearful of God, fearful of situations, fearful of other people. It is a concept that we see, again, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Today I'm going to be reading out of the NET version in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. But you know, in Matthew chapter 8 and 9, there are many miracles. In fact, there's 20 miracles that Matthew records uh, throughout his book, uh, Jesus Did. Half of them are in Matthew chapter 8 and 9. And he continues to tell us more of who Jesus was and, and how he saw people's needs. And the story of, of, of he himself, just how to follow, uh, it can, can help people. And we're going to read another story today where Jesus helps a man, this time helps him through his fear. In Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 1, After getting into a boat, he crossed to the other side and came to his own town. Just then, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Have courage, son. I'll pause there. You know, we've seen crowds with Jesus before. Crowds of people that are following him. Crowds of people that are listening to his teaching. And this is no different. If we read this story in Mark chapter 2 or in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is at someone's house. And there are so many people at this house that they're spilling out into the streets, out into the hallway, out into the kitchen, out into uh, the front yard and the backyard. People are trying to listen uh, to Jesus. There are tons of people. Have you ever been to a house party where there's so many people there that you can't even kind of walk through the hallway to go to the kitchen? I've been to somebody's house where there's your dogs running around, people running around, kids running around. Well, this might have been like that, where there's just lots of people there. And there were so many people there 
that these men who brought the paralytic to see Jesus, they actually had to climb on the roof and dig through the roof and lower this man down before Jesus. And it says there in verse 2, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Have courage, son. Why does Jesus say, have courage, son? Why does that the first thing that he says? Well, he obviously says it because the man is feeling scared. He is frightened. He looks frightened. He is feeling frightened. He is frightened. Maybe he's gnashing his teeth. Maybe he can see it in his eyes. Maybe he's biting onto his blanket. Maybe he is, he's like screaming, ah! But he is frightened. It could be he doesn't know what's going to happen here. He's frightened about what people might say. He is frightened. Maybe Jesus can't even heal me. Or will it hurt if he heals me? He's coming there to see if Jesus can help him walk. How is that going to feel to go from not walking to being able to walk? If Jesus can even do it. You know, some, some challenges are bigger than others in our lives. You know, some of us, like I said, are scared on a roller coaster. But sometimes in our lives, we have big change and we have big things going on where fear has got a grip on us. This guy is scared and Jesus knew it. And he looks him in the eye and he says, take courage. Take courage. Being fearful, as I said, is not new. We see it plenty in the Bible. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 says, So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Why did the angel tell her not to be afraid? Well, because she was afraid. Again, in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully. For I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 26, we find another situation where the disciples are in a boat out on the water and they're terrified. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out with fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 6 and 7, when the disciples heard this, they were overwhelmed with fear and threw themselves down to the faces on the ground. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Do not be afraid. Jesus saw their fears then. Jesus sees your fears now, whatever they are. And the great news is, he wanted to help them at that moment, and he wants to help you. He wants to be there for you. He sees you. We're not any different than these stories or the hosts of stories we could look at in God's word where people were scared, where people were struck with fear, where people were frozen with fear. And now it's this man, the paralytic's turn. He sees this man's fear. And he says, take courage. But he sees something else in this man. If you caught it, he says he saw their faith. He saw their faith. Now, how does that actually work? How do you see faith? 
how can I see your faith? Or how can you see my faith? What color is it? How do you hold faith? How much does it actually weigh? Faith isn't actually a physical thing. I can look outside and see my car out in the driveway. I can look and see my cup sitting on a desk. Because they're physical things, how do I see that fear? How did uh, faith, how did Jesus see their faith? I like to think of it like wind. You can't see wind. You can't hold wind. Wind doesn't have color. I can't hold it and weigh it in my hands. But what I see is the effect of wind. I see what the wind causes. If I go for a walk, I can see the wind blowing the leaves and the trees. If it's really windy, I can see a bird flying across the sky and the wind kind of just take him for a ride. I can see a flag flying because of the wind. I can see what the wind causes. And Jesus, at this moment, saw what their faith had caused. He saw the effects of their faith. You know, these guys, they had taken a deep breath. And they were going to let nothing stop them from going to Jesus. They weren't going to let what the crowd would think about them. They didn't want the people to get in the way. In fact, they couldn't even get to Jesus, and so they didn't even let that stop them. They climbed up on the roof and start digging through the roof. I imagine the conversation somewhere went to, okay, I guess we got to start digging, to, okay, let's just dig first and apologize later to the homeowner. But despite their fears, nothing stood in the way. It reminds me of Psalm chapter 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord's help, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. How does the story go if the fears stop them? Maybe they get misdirected. Ah, you know, there's too many people here today. Let's come back another time. Fear might have showed up where, gosh, you know, they get there and like, ah, I'm not even going to try it. Their fear may have controlled them of thinking of Jesus, you know what? Gee, I don't even think he can even do this. I don't think he's going to help anyway. That fear can sometimes stop us. Fear could have misdirected their thoughts, made them come up with excuses of why not to go find Jesus. And I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, the fear of people becomes a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord will be set on high. You know, for us, we need to take a deep breath ourselves sometimes to face our fears and to go to Jesus with our fears. We need to take, take a deep breath and go after them. Don't hide behind them, not ignoring them, pretending they're not there. I know we have those fears, and every time we look in the mirror, we have fears. What are yours? Are you scared to be open with your life of what's really going on and how you're really doing? Are you scared to be open just about your marriage and how that's doing? Or just even your sins? 
afraid to share what you did last night or last week. You're afraid to share, you know, some hard things. Sometimes we can be scared just to invite someone with us to go to church with us. Sometimes we're afraid to face ourselves in the mirror for a host of things. What are your fears? I think it's time to take a deep breath and face those and go to Jesus with them just like this paralytic did. My second thought is to take a deep bow. You know, up until this point, it had been some good teaching there that afternoon. They're at, at the, the house. The house is filled with people and their people are spilling out outside. You know, Jesus, they, you know, that people saw him as, as one who taught with authority. They liked his lessons. They liked what he shared. It was a good afternoon, some really great lessons, some great points. And whatever Jesus was talking about then all of a sudden was redirected to this man being lowered through the ceiling. And he told the man to take courage. Then continuing in verse 2, it says, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the experts in the law said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. In other words, Jesus was talking in a way that uh, was blaspheming God. This man is blaspheming. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he said, why do you respond with evil in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to stay, stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, stand up, take your stretcher and go home. So he stood up and went home. I love this. Jesus totally knows what he is doing here. He knows the confrontation is coming. He knows that they're going to have a hard time with it. And again, however it had been going on that afternoon, it took a big turn, the whole lesson that Jesus was sharing. And instead of telling the paralytic that he is healed and, and, and get up and walk, he actually says, your sins are forgiven, knowing that the teachers of the law were going to have a hard time with this. Jesus would have many confrontations with religious leaders while he was here on earth. And in Matt, the book of Matthew, this is actually the first one that's recorded. And it was the first one of, of many. And he says, which is easier? To say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk? You know, when you don't see sins that need to be forgiven, of course it's easier to say, your sins are forgiven. In other words, it's easy for me to say, yeah, I can still dunk a basketball or I can still do calculus math. Of course I can program a computer. It's easy to say when you can't see me try to dunk. It's easy to say when you're not watching me try to do calculus. So when I say your sins are forgiven, it's easy to say that when we don't see that sins need to be forgiven. And that's exactly where these teachers of the law were at. They didn't see that sin needed to be forgiven here. They didn't see that you 
needed to happen. And thus the question from Jesus, your sins need to be forgiven or get up and walk. Because I tell you what, if you tell somebody who can't walk, a paralytic who's not been able to walk all of his life to get up and walk, now that's putting your money where your mouth is. I can see that. I can see if that's going to happen. And so Jesus, trying to help them with their hearts, says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, knowing they were going to have a hard time with it. In an effort to try to help them, he says, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? Especially if it was right in front of them. All of a sudden, these nice lessons of the day turn to much more. And I'll tell you what, this was a day I'm sure no one there would ever forget. As this man gets up, picks up his mat, and walks out the door. He gets up and walks out and goes home. Now let's look at the end of the story. Matthew chapter 9, verse 8, When the crowd saw this, they were afraid and honored God who had given such authority to men. You know, there was a new fear in the room. Moments earlier, it was the man lying on the mat. But now it's the crowd that's actually afraid. The man had gone to Jesus with his fears. He had faced his fears. And the fear of Jesus had gone to the crowd. It was a great fear redirect. The crowd took on their newfound fears and honored God. That's a good kind of fear. That is a fear that we need. That's a fear that we want to control us. A fear that honors God. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, says the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord, and acknowledging the Holy One is understanding. You know, if you don't have a healthy fear of God that motivates you to bow before Him, you are missing who He is. If your fear of Him doesn't cause humility on your part, you're missing who He is. If your fear of Him doesn't cause a reverence and a praise, heartfelt, genuine praise, you're missing who He is. If your fear of Him doesn't cause you to seek Him, to surrender to Him, you are missing who He is. That's the fear that we need. We need to redirect our fears to take a deep breath and go to God with the fears that hinder us, that control us emotionally and spiritually in negative ways. And then we need to take a deep bow before him and honor him, honor God with an appropriate fear that can help us grow 
and our faith. The Great Fear Redirect. I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.